I just want to continue straight off. Of this pure worship in this house. We've been away for a few days in the Drakensberg. And just one morning, just one hour, alone with God. I just feel I've been marked, I've been moved. And it's the living water that Connor was singing about that's flowing in this place today. And that living water is alive, it's moving. And the invitation today is to come to the well to drink. We've had years You've all had years of serving Jesus. Some of you less than that, but a lot of you in this room, years. And a lot of it has been years of tears. And I want to prophesy today that the climate has changed. The climate in this room has changed. The climate over our church has changed. The climate over the bride of Christ has changed. And he's turning our mourning into dancing. He's turning tears into joy, into laughter. Because he's doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing. I felt this morning very early that there are people, men and women, caught up in the affairs of this world. We're caught up in the affairs of this world. And I felt the Spirit of the Lord say, that's exactly it. It's an affair. And the invitation this morning is to come back to the well. The well of covenant the well of devotion. I'm sorry I'm a bit emotional, but my heart has shifted. Because I'm really happy. <laughs> it's a joy. And so off of this worship this morning, I want to continue... I'm going to go straight into probably page four of the notes. <laughs> and uh, if we move around a bit, just bear with me this morning because I just want to follow Holy Spirit. I felt this morning um, to share with you about two women in the Bible. There's many men and many other women in the Bible. And not just, be just because it's Mother's Day, but it's because... It's like the Lord is setting us up with this devotion, the devotion of him and to him. 
And it's, I feel like we've come to a point where I think these two examples will just help us with the intensity of going and moving with the river of God and the living waters that is all over you. I want you to lift your hands one more time because I know that already I'm struggling to find words. Just let him propel you. Don't sit back in the chair. Be propelled forward into devotion. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So there's a couple of things. I'll just look at the notes a bit, and I want to really emphasize the Samaritan woman at the well, which we were singing about and receiving from in the worship this morning. Wasn't that amazing? Wasn't that so deep? And that is what I want to share. That's how I've been marked and moved in my heart, and so I wanted to share that. But just before we get there, you know, in Luke 2, we see Joseph and Mary coming to Jerusalem, and they were bringing their baby Jesus to be registered and dedicated in the temple. We know that story. And then there stood an elderly man, and his name was Simeon. And the Bible says that he was a good man, a lover of God. He kept himself pure. And the spirit of holiness rested upon him. I mean, imagine that. Imagine someone writing that about you. Wow. And his name, as many of us know, Simeon means he who hears. And I've been caught up with this whole, you know, my sheep hear my voice. And actually today the children are, are learning that this morning in their lesson. Hearing the voice of God. So Simeon was a sheep, and he had an encounter with Holy Spirit about seeing the Messiah before he died, and he got to see that, okay? He got to see that he was able to hold Jesus in his arms and began to sing and prophesy over the one that he gave his whole life to. And that choice, the result of that choice, was words spoken over him, a good man, a lover of God, pure man, spirit of holiness rested upon him. But there was a woman that I want to just chat about this morning before we go on to the other woman. There was a, a woman called Anna, and let's go there. It's in Luke 2, verse 36. I'm going to read from the Passion Translation said, a prophetess named Anna was also in the temple court that day. So Simeon had just prayed and prophesied over, the, over Jesus as a baby. And she was from the Jewish tribe of Asher and the daughter of Phanuel. Anna was an aged widow who had been married only seven years before her husband passed away. So that makes her about 106 years old. Because it says here that she served in the temple daily. Not that she was told to, it says she chose to. 
She chose to. She wasn't caught up in the affairs of the world. So she chose to worship God for 84 years in the temple. And she'd been serving God with night and day prayer and fasting. What a prayer room that was. We have a prayer room. We have a prayer room, guys. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to leave tissues there. Sorry. We have a prayer room, and I want to talk to some of the elderly and the young. I know we don't have 105-year-old people in this room, but don't think your days are over. Don't think your prayers are over. This woman chose to give her whole life. There's something in that. It's not just a nice story for some people. There's something in this. I want you to just sit on that. Um, So while Simeon was prophesying over Mary and Joseph and the baby, Anna walked up to them and burst forth with a great chorus of praise to God for the child. Just picture this. (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) 105. And she burst forth. (laughs) Oh, I think it's awesome. And from that day forward, she told everyone in Jerusalem, (laughs) hello, everyone in Jerusalem who was waiting for their redemption that the anticipated Messiah had come. So at 105, she was going around the city telling everyone that Jesus had come. She devoted her whole life to this one moment. Yep, yep. (laughs) That's what Jesus sounded like (laughs) in Simeon's arms. (laughs) So 24-7 living. She she not only went there to pray and to worship. She didn't stay at home. She lived there. Can you picture the temples? Is that my phone? No? She lived there. So she must have had a room somewhere on the side of the temple and lived there and shuffled her way through every day. How awesome is that? So she lived there 24-7, praying, worshipping, and prophesying of the Messiah to come. No husband or family to give her the thumbs up every day. Go for it, Marcy, in the prayer room. No one with her, okay? This is the cost of devotion. Choosing a life of singleness and perhaps many days of loneliness and often being misunderstood. A woman in that, in that day, I, I think she was not just a quiet, pious little woman. She, she burst forth. You know, she, she was known as a prophetess. So she was higher in rank than even Simeon because he was on a priestly level. So she was admired. But can you imagine what would go on in her inner parts? You know, the cost of devotion. She was a true sheep. But what I wanted to emphasize with a couple of people today, and her as well, is that her devotion had supernatural all over it. So gone are the days where Connor said it to me yesterday, not devotions, You know when you go and have your daily devotions? It's beautiful. I'm not saying it's wrong. But that's not what it only is. Devotion is not just devotions. Fifteen minutes 
put your coffee, good coffee on the table, your iPad, your phone, your book, and it looks so nice with the morning sun on that that you think, oh, let me take a photo of this and post it on Instagram because it looks so good. And I have done that because I felt, oh, this looks so spiritual. And I have done that. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But devotion is way deeper than that. It's a life changed for the living water of Jesus Christ. So this devotion that Anna lived, sometimes tears. I can imagine her crying in the temple. What about hope being deferred and hope delayed, waiting for the Messiah? But now she's, oh, she had a hundredth birthday. Oh, boy. <laughs> when is he coming? When is he coming? Hope deferred. Makes the heart sick. So she had to deal with all those things. And how about things like longing for companionship? Okay? But because devotion has supernatural all over it, it's like laced with the miraculous. Devotion is a beautiful drink, but it's laced with the miraculous and the supernatural. Okay? We can't carry on being nominal Christians day to day Thinking we're filled with the Spirit, and even sometimes knowing it but not living in it, we, we, we look around and we say, where's the miraculous? Oh, someone got a, you know, their throat got better, or their, which is beautiful. Oh, and they, we've heard testimonies. It's not enough. It's not the kingdom. We've settled for something that we allow to happen because we haven't died and we're still in control. Okay? There's, it's laced with another realm, and, and I want to just show you how easy this can be. We've just got to go there and step into it. So I imagine Anna sometimes crying, sometimes just longing for someone to come and be with her. But I also imagine hysterical laughter in the corridors of the temple where joy overcomes her loneliness, the supernatural takes over and floods her entire being. I imagine that. I don't I imagine that on her. I want to live in that. And it, it means when you're in a situation and you've got to make a decision, a little choice. She chose devotion. But when those things come and you just go, I could actually go, oh, I, I'm not sure what to do here. Or you can just quickly make the adjustment and say, where's the light in the situation? What can I do? Where's the joy? And get as soon as you make that decision, the Holy Spirit, living water river inside of you, gushes over you, in you, all over you, and out of you. And that's the kingdom life that we're talking about of devotion. That's, that's Anna. Just a, a little paragraph in Luke 2. But when you think about her and read some historical facts, it's just amazing. But then there is this woman that Connor sang about. And oh, this is the one <laughs> that has her life. I have studied this woman a few times, actually about eight years ago, six years ago, three years ago. I just love to read about her, but I, I felt like I met her. <laughs> I'm not being weird, okay? Like, <laughs> woo! 
But I, just in my devotion with God and just reading about her life and, and re-studying some, some things about her life, I, I felt like I knew her. Although I haven't gone through this, but anyway, let's, let's look at her. And we can find the story in John chapter 4. And uh, I'm just, oh man, you just want to, how are we doing for time? Because... Okay, okay, okay. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Okay, so we're looking at chapter 4 of John. And let's go from... I don't even need glasses for this. Can we go from 5? Jesus arrived at the Samaritan village of Sychar. Not Sycho. (laughs) Sychar. Near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph long ago. Okay, I have to stop here because... Uh, Rachel, is that your name? Hey, this well that we're talking about is the same well where Jacob married Rachel and met her. And and when Connor was praying for you, I felt God say, Rachel, I'm bringing you back to that well of of marriage, of covenant and devotion. So I know it's a personal. I don't mean to embarrass you, but I just thought, Rachel. Jacob, it's just all tied in this morning. So I want to just release that over you. Just a deeper devotion with God. And you're married to Jesus, his bride. Amen. Woo. Okay, let's, let's laugh. Should we all laugh together? One, two, three. <laughs> okay. Woo. All right, where are we? Uh, so there was only one sentence. Okay, so... Wearied by his long journey, he sat on the edge of of Jacob's well. He sent his disciples into the village to buy food, for it was already afternoon. So there's Jesus sitting there, and it says, Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus, oh sorry, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink of water. Surprised, she said, Why would a Jewish man... Ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water. She's a bit of a feisty woman. Okay, I'm going to talk about her a little bit more. Jesus replied, if you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you'd ask me for a drink and I would give to you living water. The woman replied, but sir, now she's going, "Mm, let me take it. I'm not going to just accept this. She says, you don't even have a bucket. And this well is very deep. So where do you find this living water? Do you really think that you are greater than our ancestor Jacob who dug this well and drank from it himself along with his children and livestock? And Jesus answered, If you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again and again. But if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never thirst again and will be forever satisfied. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, springing up and flooding you with endless life. The woman replied, let me drink that water so I'll never be thirsty again and won't have to come back here to draw water. What I love there is that (laughs) he doesn't just say, okay, have a drink. He goes straight to the heart. He 
goes straight to her heart. doesn't answer that. He goes straight to the heart. He says, go get your husband and bring him back here. Now he's going deep. Okay? Why does he go deep? Because devotion is not an immediate drink that quenches something instantly. Okay? Devotion requires your whole life. And that's what he's doing in us as a community. So, what does she say? But I'm not married, the woman answered. That's true, Jesus said, for you've been married five times, and now you're living with a man who is not your husband. You have told the truth. I'm jumping all over these notes here, but I wanted to say that there's something about a woman, okay, not just because it's Mother's Day, but, just say, but there is something about a woman that when she is honest, when she's fully honest, with the Lord, she willingly gives everything and follows him with everything. And I want to minister to that, into that, that there could be women here that have kept things quiet for years. Just like her, there might be women who maybe haven't had five husbands, and you're living with a boyfriend. <laughs> so it's not exactly what I'm talking about. But there's been deep hurt, a deep longing to be wanted. Maybe there's men here like that. It's for everyone. I even heard the words, there's, there's people in debt, not just financial debt, but emotional debt, that the man at the well has come to deliver you. So debt, even divorce. He doesn't look at divorce and go, okay, I'll see to you just now. You just want to go here? He deals with all of that. Even death or loss. So all the Ds, I don't know why. But he is the deliverer of all of that. And he's the one at the well. You know... It was the hottest time of the day when Jesus was sitting at the well. It was the hottest time of the day in the noonday, early afternoon. And uh, no one came to draw water in that kind of heat. Women who were, who, they were the ones who fetched water for their families and they traveled together in groups. I wonder why women travel in groups. <laughs> the gossipers of the town. Oh, we're going <laughs> to go and get the water for the for the families, and let's have a good old gossip about the Samaritan woman. Because she, she never went with them. She went alone at a different time of the day. Just things to think about. And uh, yeah, perhaps she wasn't welcomed by the others as she was the talk of the town. Five husbands living with another man. But regardless of what... Google tells us, and we can do research on her. I believe that even as she looked out, because that well was about a kilometer away from the, the town, and um, I believe she looked and she saw something, saw someone, and was drawn to the well. He drew her because she had an assignment on her life, an appointment with God that day, and I'm going to touch a little bit about her.
Let's go to verse um, 28. So, yeah, just, just before that, sorry, I've skipped all over the place, but as she's talking to him and she says, ah, oh, I'm not married, and she's honest with him, then before that she brings up religious laws of worship and she perceives he's a prophet. And again, Jesus goes straight to the heart of the matter and he talks about worship and what it is, spirit and in truth. Not on that mountain, not the Jews over there and the Samaritans over there. One day... It's going to be in spirit and in truth and from here. So that's what he talks about. But she's confused. And Jesus tells her, I'm the one you're looking for. Verse 28, let's look there. It says, all at once the woman dropped her water jar and ran off to her village and told everyone Come and meet a man at the well who told me everything I've ever done. He could be the anointed one we've been waiting for. And hearing this, the people came streaming out of the village to go see Jesus. Later on in verse 39, it says, So there were many from the Samaritan village who became believers in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Wouldn't that be awesome if we went around <laughs> just telling people what he's done for you? Because it, we don't have to go around saving people. Jesus does that. But there was something on her. She had not just taken a sip of a drink. She had tasted, she'd seen the living waters right in front of her eyes, and she dropped that jar, and she ran. She ran back to tell everybody who she had seen. This could be the Messiah, and he certainly was, because this lady got baptized. She got baptized, and her name changed, and her name became Fatin. And that word means enlightened. So she was enlightened, and her life was never the same again. How many of us have been enlightened? Are our lives the same? Well, maybe some parts of my life haven't really been transformed. You see, there's, there's something called an encounter, and then there's something called transformation. So Holy Spirit will allow you to and, and draw you to Jesus to have that encounter, but he, it's not over there. And that's why we, we, we settle there, and we keep coming back for more. Oh, I think the lid here on this church is, uh, yeah, it's, there's a lid on this now. I'm going to go somewhere else because whew, that gift over there is releasing something. Go over there, get some more. And you never plant into a family for transformation to take place. We need each other. So we can have encounter after encounter, but with no transformation, it's a sip of a drink. It's a sip of a drink, and he wants us to live under and immersed in living waters. Do you know there's a river that flows from the throne of God, and his name is Jesus? He is ever-flowing. Living water is moving. It's active. So I feel moved. Why? Because I stood under the waterfall of God, and he, we can do this all the time. All the time. So I, I wanted to touch on um, this woman, Fatine, and I want to, I was hesitant to go here, but I, I really do feel I want to just say some of the 
and tell you some of the facts about this woman's life. Not to, to gross you out, not to go uh, and put a heavy on you like, oh my word, my life's not like that, because that's why I started with Anna, okay? Beautiful Anna, devotion, the same devotion, it was expressed differently. God's plan. It's not your plan when you're devoted to God. It's God's plan. So you give him your devotion and he does the plan and works it out. So she was in the temple 24 hours a day. And that's beautiful. But she, it was challenging. And it still had supernatural all over it. Now we have this lady called Fatim. And history tells us that this, um, this woman told her family about the Lord. And they all got saved. Okay? They all got born again and baptized. Then Fatin and one of her sons went to a place called Carthage or Carthage, which is modern day Tunisia. Do you know where that is? It's right up there on the east, northeast, hey, up there. And that's where they stayed to spread the gospel for a while. Imagine that. Come on, Connor, we're going to. Pick a place. <laughs> okay. And uh, all right, another fact. Fatine and her five sisters, five sisters, and her two sons, they get captured for, for preaching the gospel. They get captured and their hands are beaten for three hours. Okay? This is truth. It's truth. Can you imagine your hands being beaten for three hours nonstop? The result of this, because remember... When you live a life of devotion, it's laced with supernatural, the miraculous, and Jesus. So the result of that, no pain is felt and nothing broken. Okay? This is fact. Truth. They continue to preach Jesus. Then she gets imprisoned for three years. Okay. <laughs> Imagine being imprisoned in Johannesburg for three years. The result of that, the jail becomes a fragrant house of God as prisoners and jail keepers get saved. The family of the prisoners love going to the prison because it's a fragrant house of God and they get everything they want there. The prison. <laughs> right, and at that time, the emperor that was ruling there was Nero. And a very evil man. So he gets to know about Fatine. And he is taken by her, but in such an, uh, a terrible way, he wants to destroy her. But he tempts her with gold and wealth. I don't know if you knew this. He tempts her with gold and wealth to stop the gospel being preached and to get her to renounce Jesus. So if he can't whip her enough and beat her and imprison her enough, he tempts her with wealth and all the beauty that all the other women in his palace um, had. And what you want to know the result of that? Nero's daughter, plus her 100 women servants, get saved and help Fatine distribute the wealth to the poor. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They then get put on burning stakes can you imagine? Her whole family. 
They put on burning stakes, and the result of that is the fire burns for days, and none of them are burned. <laughs> this is real life, guys. This is not, wow, out there. This is real life every day. Um, and then Fatine's body gets deflayed. I don't know if you know what that word means. And I don't want to go into it because it's really gross, but it's the skin is taken off your body, okay? So Fatine's body gets deflayed and thrown into a dry well, a deep dry well. Her sisters and sons are deflayed, and her son's legs are amputated, and they are thrown to the dogs. And they're eventually martyred. And there's something I read. That Fatine, when these things happened and she saw her family being martyred, she was saying, God, I want to be martyred. Why, why them and not me? She wanted that. She desired that. It was, it was her reward. And then, I know this is, uh, it's getting, uh, don't get heavy on this. I just want you to see what Jesus is doing and, and, and has done and is doing and will do through us. But one of her sisters was split in two. Okay, it's it's horrific. This emperor, the things that he did to the to the believers of the day, and we think we have a hard time with the little temptations and distractions of everyday life and the busyness and oh come on. And then Nero gives Fatine one last chance to renounce Jesus. And what's the result of that? So he pulls her out of that well, and he says, come on, look, your whole family are, are gone. Renounce Jesus and follow me. You'll be fine. I'll save you from that. What does she do? She spits in his face, and she gets thrown into the well again. And she gives up her soul to God. Yo. She spits in a... <laughs> she was a feisty woman at the well with Jesus, saying, no, 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 no. What about that mountain there? And the Jews worship there? No, no, no. No, no, no. She, she pushed him to... Until he got to her heart. And she's still feisty till the end. Because she knew who she was devoted to. I say those things not to go, oh, what a heavy Sunday, Mother's Day. <laughs> but I don't know if you've ever heard those things about her. Not just the little Samaritan woman at the well. So Jesus offered the Samaritan woman a drink that never ends. It never ends. The living water is eternal, the word says. It's eternal. It's alive, flowing and moving. It's gushing and it moves you. So if you remember one thing today, just ask the Lord, like, let your living order move me. I don't want to sit in the seat the same ever, ever again. Mark me, move me, shift me, not just my heart, but that my thinking is shifted, that my actions shift, that everything I do is devoted to you and pleases you, and I'm not caught up in the affairs of the world. Because I am devoted to my lover, my covenant bridegroom, not the affairs of the world. See, as modern day believers, if we're only content to sip 
from water in a dam or a well to satisfy an immediate thirst, then we've settled for something that is not kingdom living. It's a form of godliness with no power. It's a form of godliness with no power. It's not like woe-heavy. I, I thought about this. I thought, Lord, my life, if I'm living for you and devoted to you, living the kingdom way, then some shift in me, move the miracles, the, the supernatural realm of God for every son and every daughter. It's available. It's, there's no lack on his part. It's a, something in me that stops me from giving everything every time. Why can't we do that? Why can't I do that? My heart wants to do it. And I just feel that that word, the affairs of the world, the systems of the world, the way the world operates is not a kingdom way. Yes, we have to live in it and shop and work. And I'm not saying those are wrong. You still have to do those things. But it's a devoted life laced with the kingdom of heaven that will change us. But when we as modern-day believers stand under or in the moving life-giving flow of the river himself, we should continually experience encounter and move in extraordinary supernatural miracles. I believe we've shifted forward into that. We've been propelled into that. I believe the grace of God upon us over years after year after year. Intentions were right. Hearts were pure. We didn't have, have it right. And um, I just believe the grace of God has, has sustained us to this point, to this point where the seed, even the seed of our devotion to the presence of the Lord in this church, even that seed I felt this morning hit the ground and die. Anything that is of ourselves that we think, wow, we're of the presence of God. Oh, we're the pure ones. We're the shining worshipers. No, that has to die. That has to die for something new to live alive and not of this world. It won't look like this world if we let it die and live again. So in this beautiful word of God, it's full of radically obedient sheep, followers of Christ, living in days of wonder and awe, of signs and miracles. I mean, just going through the book of Acts and we're reading, you know, Philip, the, the things that these guys were experiencing and, and living in, the miraculous, outrunning chariots, being running and gone. I want to be that person. It's like Wonder Woman, then, hey, of the kingdom. Wonder Woman and Wonder Men and Women of the kingdom. Uh, that's for us. And it's uh, how do we get there? How do, how do we move in that? It's full devotion. It's full devotion. And I, I believe we don't have it all. We don't understand these things. Sometimes there's no words that can actually describe what He's doing in our midst. But when we go together and we're doing it with brothers and sisters together and mothers and fathers in the safety, as Connor was saying, there's safety in the presence. The worship this morning, 
if you've never experienced that kind of depth or intensity or like, what's going on here? Why are these people? It's, it's devotion. It's, it's, he, he draws us into that place and we're just following him. And it's for every single one of us. There's no methods in a 100% relationship with God. There's no methods. It's pure love. I love you, I love you, I love you. I'm propelled forward deeper into what he has. I don't even know (laughs) where to go now. Maybe, is it time up? Okay, come, let's stand together. So I want to read a poem. I just had that hour with the Lord by this beautiful river, and um, he just gave me these words, and it was Fatine's words, so it's a poem of Fatine. (laughs) Now I'm going to have background music. (laughs) (laughs) Can you play my... So just close your eyes, and uh, it's just a short poem, but... uh, Think of the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. And this is her, her words. You ask me for water, a drink of devotion. One look in your eyes, my past is your portion. I'm going to say that one verse again. You ask me for water. Jesus asked her for water. He asked her for a drink of devotion. And one look in your eyes, my past is your portion. You offer a river, eternal offering, swept up in your gaze, my bridegroom deliverer. I must run, tell young and old, my quest to live is for their souls. I'm marked forever. No longer I, your life, your river, your beautiful bride. Just lift your hands. Lift your hands. Lord, we surrender. We surrender. Earlier I said that I felt there were some women in the room just with some emotional debt. Could be divorce has had this thing hanging around you. Maybe death or loss. And you don't know quite what to do. But the bridegroom deliverer is sitting on the well of our hearts today and he's drawing you into a transformational encounter with living water that is eternal it's a river that never stops it's a drink that never stops not one sip but a continual drink and so as we just worship a little bit more 
If you identify with some of those things, I'd love to pray with you. But if you just want to sit there or stand there and just give that entirely over to Him, there's things in all of our lives where we come to a place where we have to hand things over and let our past become His portion. So let your past become His portion. Let yesterday become His portion.